So Gunnar, what's new? Uh, so I, do you remember the book by David McCauley? Uh, the one I remember most was Castle. Castle. He also did uh, Pyramids, City, Mill, these kind of like lavishly illustrated, extremely detailed books about how these large scale engineering projects happen. No, those sound fascinating. The, as they were to me when I was, let's say, seven or eight years old. So mm -hmm. it's a, uh, they're short books mm -hmm. and they're told there is a storytelling to them, but they have these, as I say, these beautiful kind of pen and ink illustrations of, well, how do you build a castle? Well, first you have to cite the castle and then you build the inner curtain and then you build the outer curtain and then there's the castle wall, which surrounds the containing village and it kind of walks you through how all this stuff was done at the time. It shows you good kind of trades that were required, the tools. Mm -hmm. um, I remember just being enthralled by these books. They were wow. written by a, this guy, David McCauley. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, he also wrote a book that was even more popular than those called How Things Work, which uh, Lauren might have enjoyed one of these books at a, a certain time. So in this book, it starts with uh, simple machines. So it explains how levers work, how pulleys work, and so forth. And then it slowly gets more complex as you get deeper into the book. And now you're talking about lawnmowers and telephones and things like this. Mm, okay. So Soren really enjoyed the Castle book, as I did. And mm -hmm. so I went, I went ahead and got him the, the rest of the David Macaulay books, including this How Things Work. Well, the latest edition of How Things Work includes a new section on the digital domain. Oh. And all of these books are told uh, using a woolly mammoth as the uh, protagonist or as the foil mm -hmm. for the reader. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, you're explaining all of this to the woolly mammoth, right? So a lot, a lot of these explanations are put in terms that a woolly mammoth could understand. Okay. And Dave, as you know, woolly mammoths really enjoy pumpkins. And did not know that. Uh, apparently, this is this is known. And okay. uh, so, in this digital domain section, he starts with uh, explaining to the woolly mammoth how this uh, enormous computer works mm -hmm. uh, using pumpkins as oh. the bits that go into this computer. And so it says, "Well, we, were, we gave him two hundred seventy-three pumpkins." And how do we count it? Well, we count it with uh, by taking 128 crates and making a column of those, and then 64 crates, and then 32, and then 16, and then 8, and then 4, and then 2, and then 1. You can only fill up a complete set of crates in each column. If you can't fill up the next one, you got to move to the next one. And in this way, we will count 273 uh, crates. And so, as you can see, Mr. Woolly Mammoth, um, 273 can be encoded as uh, 1, 0, one 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 zero one or whatever the number was, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and um, so Soren and I are going through this, and he immediately asks for graph paper. Mm. Uh, actually, the first thing he does is he goes for typing, you know, just like plain eight and a half by eleven white sheet of paper, and starts drawing sixty four squares on. It. I said, actually, mm -hmm. I have a better idea. Why don't we do this on graph paper? He agrees, mm -hmm. and uh, and he says, "Give me a number," and he immediately starts writing down. Okay, numbers, whatever, 22. And he builds out using graph paper. He follows this method and comes up with the binary representation of 22. Mm. Um, and then I ask him to do 23. And uh, this is a proud Papa moment. Um, oh he does gosh, not yeah. go back to the graph paper. He figures out that all he has to do is uh, flip the one bit mm. in the notation. And now he's got 23. Um, 
And so uh, very much by accident this weekend, Soren learned binary notation. Pretty cool. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so thanks to the David Macaulay books, which remain great, and mm -hmm. the explanations for, certainly for the digital domain stuff, the explanations are fantastic. It goes through um, uh, how the importance of an analog digital converter, how mm -hmm. um, electronic uh, thermometers work, um, mm -hmm. talks about different storage devices, how they work, and why you choose one over the other. Um, just like a real treat for young and old. So the David Macaulay yeah. books in particular, How Things Work Now is the name of the book. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. I wish I had that in college. Uh, that would have been very <laughs> helpful. Uh, but also too, I just imagine like a couple years out, there's gonna be like, oh, here's how quantum computing works. And right. you know, right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So uh, anyway, and exciting to have uh, also to have the whole spread of machines, right? From the simple machines, mills, mm -hmm. and so on, all the way up to uh, all the way up to the digital stuff, because it kind of creates a continuum of understanding, right? Um, mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. anyway, a real kind of a uh, nostalgia thing for me, and that turned out to be very interesting for him. And in fact, he I know we've talked on the show before about uh, the Turing Tumble game, um, where using uh, uh, using kind of weighted ramps and uh, mechanical uh, switches on this kind of pegboard, um, mm -hmm. you can use marbles to program a quote-unquote computer, right? Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And so anyway, having gone through the David Macaulay books, getting all excited about that, he immediately reopened the Turing Tumble and got back into that. Um, oh, wow. So yeah, it was cool. It was great. It was a good experience. That's great. Proud daddy. That's Yeah, that's proud amazing. daddy. A weekend of yeah. enrichment is what we had. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So how about you? What'd you get into? Oh, not much. It's uh, it's interesting here in Ohio where it's like the, the last throes of summer as the leaves are changing and uh, doing some motorcycle riding. This is like one of the best favorite times of the year to, to ride because I could um, see all the leaves change colors and you, you got all the smells and stuff like that that you don't ordinarily get in a car. So I'm excited. Mm -hmm. Looking forward to that. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Very yeah. good. All right. Uh, so it looks like we have a theme this week. Mm -hmm. Yeah. See, see if you could uh, notice a pattern here. So we're going to be talking about meetings with VR. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about VR with prison. And then we're yep. going to talk about prison with meetings. So a little mm -hmm. bit of a circle there. And yep. then uh, we're also going to talk about brains with eyes. Oh yeah, horrifying. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. So uh, yeah. So where should we be sending people uh, to get some nice pictures of uh, uh, brain organoids with uh, eye stems? <laughs> so, if brain organoids with eye stems is your thing, uh, you should mm -hmm. be visiting dgshow.org. That's D is in Dave, G is in Gunner Show. dot org. And if you're on Twitter, you can visit us at dgshow.org. That's dgshow. Mm -hmm. D-O-T-O-R-G. Yep, yep. And then uh, cutting room floor, we got for fans of print shop, um, you know, I, I remember doing that in high school where in marching band, we would do like all kinds of like banners and stuff like that, that you know, it's competitive marching band. And, uh, oh, yeah. you know, so, uh, and 
I, you know, it's like there was this one time we decided to not take the high road and we competed against one band called, uh, it was Shade, uh, I guess it was Shade Township or something like that. And uh, I did a banner that said, uh, Shade is where the sun don't shine. <laughs> and then the band director made me take it down because uh, I, I was <laughs> not being not being a good sport. So we had to take that down. So those were the days, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, those were the days. Yeah. I remember and then we my, got the... Uh... Yeah. Go oh, I I remember my uh, my sister and I discovering the banner feature of a print shop mm -hmm. club of a print shop, which uh, uh, I just remember countless afternoons with the scream of the dot matrix printer, uh, furiously mm -hmm. trying to uh, to spit out these banners, and then having these trying to hang the banners up in the bedroom or in the living room, mm -hmm. and then having them kind of like split in the middle because of the perforation on the dot matrix paper. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then you run out of the the ribbon like runs out yeah. of ink, like towards That's the end right. and it just all fades out and you got to yeah. do it all over again. Yeah, it takes like an hour to print one and yeah, those <laughs> right. were the days. Those yeah. were the days. So with yeah, with this uh, print shop club, you could relive all those things and uh, generate PDFs and uh, uh, get uh, relive the good old days. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. And then uh, yeah, we got uh, the the uh, the Polytron. Uh, uh, mm -hmm. We got an ad for the Polytron, so people could check that out. Where um, only the Polytron uh, reduces an entire mouse to a soup-like homogenate in 30 seconds. <laughs> and what? And what? <laughs> which is a hell of a tagline. Uh, mm -hmm. And what what is pictured in this in this advertisement is uh, what I can only describe as a let's call it a stand mixer. Hooked mm -hmm. up to like a what we call let's call it a volt ammeter, looks like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, a seven hundred watt stand mixer <laughs> is basically what they're selling. Twenty seven thousand RPM. <laughs> so, yep, unique tissue disruption by mechanical shearing and cavitation. Yeah, these are some mm -hmm. people who are very proud of their work. Very proud. Of yep. Yeah, it, you can imagine the boss just like, man, we could do this, and uh, you know, we did it in forty seconds, but I bet we could do thirty. And and so let's, you know, <laughs> let's right. get some more mice in here. Let's yeah, that's right. Talk yeah. to those talk to those knuckleheads at Dupont, and they haven't addressed that mechanical shearing problem, but we've solved it. Mm -hmm. Yep, with three years uh, ahead on the competition. Yep, continuous uh, tissue disruption. So yeah, for sure. <laughs> But in more appetizing things, we got uh, 30 grocery items that uh, don't exist but should as well, yeah, which are, were delightful. Are, these are, they're delightful. W which one was your favorite? Oh, I got a list. Um, but, you know, so they're, you know, so this is basically somebody going in with Photoshop and you have these brands that sort of like, you know, like Taco Bell would uh, combine something with, uh, you know, uh, Flamin' Hot Cheetos or whatever, and you got a Flamin' yeah. Hot Cheeto shell or whatever. Um, so it's stuff like that. So they basically did these remixes of brands where, you know, the guy did uh, uh, Mayoreo. So like if you, you know, why have mayo and Oreo cookies when you can have cookies and cream uh, flavor right in your mayo? So that's good. And, <laughs> you know, things like Monster Energy pickles and um, Subway canned subs. So every can has a foot long sub inside of it. And uh Jewel cream of nicotine and uh, 
Haagen-Dazs Vicks uh, cough syrup, cough syrup filled ice cream bars. Yeah, yeah, so delicious. Right. How about you? Uh, yeah, I, I, Monster Energy pickles. I think uh, was probably was <laughs> probably my favorite. Um, and what I love is that, it, for example, on the the Jewel brand cream of nicotine uh, mm -hmm. is uh, in the style of a Campbell soup can. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Instead of cream of mushroom, it's yeah, cream of yeah. nicotine. Cream mm -hmm. of nicotine. delicious. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah but some of them so. just look like like i would try it like they had uh, the santa claus hard seltzer which is uh spiked sparkling water with a hint of peppermint sounds yeah, that didn't sound so bad right yeah yeah that is yeah. great or, uh, and, and the presentation of this is, yeah well i was gonna say the, the presentation of this is also great because the all the photographs of these items um they're all photographed in someone's hand with the grocery shelf kind of uh, in the bo background, out yeah. in the background, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it looks like somebody picked up. Oh, a subway canned sub, mm -hmm. <laughs> or the Gerber Monster Energy Drink collaboration on a Gerber Monster piece. Yeah, <laughs> or the the there's like a Gerber hard seltzer uh, thing. Too, so <laughs> why not for those uh, late nights? It just uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's right. something for everybody. Yeah. Little pick me up. Yeah. yeah. So um. It's been a while since we've talked about the uh, whole brain in a bucket uh, science research that's been going on. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. I, I can't imagine that work has slowed down during the pandemic. No, no, it's actually grown, uh, uh, in, uh, so to speak. But um, yeah, there's some researchers that um, they did some, they got some adult stem cells and then coaxed them into being a brain organoid and then uh I don't know if they it was intentional or not, but the the brain organoids of the 314 organized organoids that they made, 73% developed um, optic cups. So basically, like an eye structure um, that started to come out of the uh, the brains. Yeah. <laughs> so gross. And I'm yeah. looking at this photograph of it, which is like a white gelatinous ball with uh really two distinct eyes like uh mm -hmm. horrifying yep yeah so now and, were, uh, were, these, yeah. were these functional eyes uh well it's it's just some basics right now where it's like i guess it could do like light sensitivity and things like that and then they could they could study brain eye interactions in embryo development um they could look at things like retinal disorders and and other types of things like that. But they they went out of their way to say that, look, this isn't a real conscious brain. This isn't a fully formed eye. Um, right. These are just organoids. So nothing wrong. Mm -hmm. And but the 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 um, to help put it into context, the uh, Daily Star, uh, the British, uh, you know, sensational publication, um, they collected some of the reactions from Twitter uh, where um, you know, one tweet said scientists would coax the vat brain to form a rudimentary mouth, but it would just scream. <laughs> and then uh, the other, my other favorite tweet uh, was that perhaps the vat brain enjoyed a blissful ignorance before the eyes. It could not comprehend anything outside itself, save for the prodding, but out of curiosity or pain or frustration, the brain just had to know what the prod was. Now it spends its entire, and now it spends its eternity staring in horror. 
<laughs> so some people using it as a uh, fiction writing exercise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So that's like uh, good. That's great. But uh, yeah. And speaking of uh, um, spending eternity uh, staring in horror, uh, have you been following the uh, Facebook uh, metaverse work that they've been doing? No, I was hoping you could explain it to me because I don't quite, I heard the word and mm -hmm. I noticed that um, NVIDIA was using the same language when, during their last, during their last big conference where they were talking about building, I guess, some kind of like virtual reality or creating simulations, large scale mm -hmm. simulations of things that were going to be important and something, mm -hmm. something metaverse. Anyway, I was wondering if you could, uh, you could help me walk, walk me through it. Yeah. So like as a, a long time virtual reality person from decades ago, um, mm -hmm. you know, to me, it looks a lot like virtual reality, or you could consider it to be like uh, mixed reality, right? Where you have elements from um, the real world in a virtual world. And, you know, is it, you know, could you consider it augmented reality? Maybe. Uh, but what the uh, Facebook people are doing is that, um, well, hey, they, they spent, you know, uh, whatever billion dollars on Oculus to do this virtual reality headset. And I don't know if it's marketing or whatever, but they, they look at themselves of going beyond social media into being a metaverse company and such that, you know, people are going to spend a large percentage of their time in the metaverse, meaning wearing a VR headset, having these, these handheld, handheld controls and everything, and then being able to interact in that world. And, um, but what was interesting though, is that, um, they want to apply this to the business world with everybody working from home. So imagine, you know, so they're, they're like coming up with this, um, uh, this type of experience where they call it horizon workrooms. And, um, what you could do is be in a virtual environment inside of a conference room with your peers and have meetings and so you could look left and right you you have the spatial audio of the person sitting to your left and all that you get all the gestures from hand movements from you know because you're holding the controllers people could walk up to uh, a marker board and and draw on the marker board and stand next to each other draw on the marker board you, you could also um uh one of the things that you could do is you could uh trace where your keyboard is on your desk and it will do like an augmented reality view of where your keyboard is so you could tell where your hands are so you could see mm -hmm. yourself type and um so you know because that's one of the challenges i think too of like being able to type in a, a virtual environment is pretty difficult to do but um but what, what's your thought on that of like hey let's have a meeting in virtual reality uh, is that an improvement um well i guess ostensibly in a room although as you're describing this I'm, I'm thinking about all these different kind of input devices and all these different kind of video conferencing integration and all the rest of it and i it feels when i envision it in my mind uh it seems like it would be like interacting in Ro roblox you know what i mean mm -hmm, <laughs> like mm -hmm. crude like all the people you're interacting with would be like crude polygons or uh kind of creepy simulacrums of uh, the people you actually work with Mm -hmm. yep. And I feel like that would undermine yep. the whole yep. exercise, right? Yeah. So like you would have like uh, like the, the demo had like a large headed Mark Zuckerberg 
um, you know, in the conference room and, mm-hmm. you know, you could have them, I guess it could detect shrugging or whatever reactions and stuff. I don't know if it could detect like, I, you know, how like re- reading facial expressions, I, I don't know if it could do that today or ever. Um, but you would think that would be something that would be necessary, but it's very like 3d cartoon. Like it, it, it's kind of looked like the Incredibles, you know, like that sort of animation. Oh, I see. Um, I see. Yeah. So it's, you know, kind of nice to have these animated people, but like, I wonder, is that like necessary? You know, is that really an improvement? No, to be honest, probably not. Yeah. Probably not. Right. And imagine like, imagine like the, the product manager for the horizon workrooms and all that of like forcing the team to dog food their stuff. Right. So it's like, you know, nobody is, is anybody going to admit that it's like, yeah, this is terrible. Um, or, or, you know, or admit to Zuckerberg that it's terrible. And, you know, so we're going to do all our meetings inside this, you know, with this virtual reality helmet. And even they said that, yeah, this is really good for about 25 minutes a day. Otherwise, you know, you're going to have next strain and repetitive stress and all that stuff. But um, yeah, I just, I just don't see how, you know, like, let me ask you this, is it, you know, does, 3D actually add anything to it? You know, have we reached the limit of what 2D can do? And you know, is does does yeah, you know, like a, a shared uh, like Miro or mural or something like that? Is that good enough? Um, and and video calls is that good enough? Or do you really need to have polygons and having somebody that you know sitting to your right and you hear them eating potato chips and crunching and stuff like that, just like you do in a normal meeting and you know, like all the things you may not like about a meeting. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, especially now that we spent the last 18 months training uh, most of the heavily online world uh, to do video conferences, um, Mm -hmm. I kind of separate these two things out because you're right, like 2D, everybody knows now how to 2D conference Mm -hmm. with video. And we more or less, whatever, we all figured it out. Uh, Several of us got, you know, fancy lights, uh, so that we were mm-hmm. lit properly, we've got our spaces set up, and so um, I feel like we're good on the video mm-hmm. conferencing end of it. You bring up a good point about the thing that is missing from there, which is like the ability to do like sticky note exercises or whiteboarding, you know, literally whiteboarding and things like that, and that remains difficult to do in in video conferencing world. And so I can imagine adding a three D element to that may make that easier. Um, mm-hmm. Although I am. I guess I am. So that's a that's a that is a gap that could be closed. Whether we mm-hmm. need to close that or not, I'm not sure. Um, but uh, I mean, I, I see the virtue of uh, I see the virtue of recreating the in per, the in meeting experience. Right? They talk here about you know spatial audio, so you can kind of tell where people's voices are coming from and things like that. Like like I get it, trying to recreate the, the meeting experience. But one of the benefits of these digital tools is the fact that we don't have to recreate the actual meaning experience, right? Like Mm -hmm. we should be able to use all these digital tools and all these presence and video conferencing and things. Part of the value is being able to uh, not be beholden to the physics of an actual meeting room, right? Exactly. Um, Yeah. So I feel like, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like it's it's skeuomorphism to a certain degree, right? I think like Mm -hmm. you've written here in the notes. Um, mm-hmm. 
it would be nice to see us using these same tools or these same abilities and creating a genuinely new and like a novel and hopefully even more efficient meeting experience in the 3D world rather than just recreating a thing for the sake of not having to get on an airplane or get in your car or whatever. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's where, you know, I'm, I, I'm like almost positive that the thing that we haven't, you know, like we, we just, we didn't, we, we don't see it yet where it has to happen, where instead of the let's apply the traditional meeting world to virtual reality, that skeuomorphism, is that really better? Um, or is there a 2D way of doing things that is actually a better way, but we just haven't seen it yet of of like how that would work? Or is it more of an augmented reality thing where you hold your phone up like a lens and you swing it around or you wear a pair of glasses that could have like a hologram of people in a room or something? And, and maybe that would help. I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Have, have, and I think I forget if we talked about it. Have you tried out? Uh, gather or uh online town before no i haven't yeah so uh check it out got a link in the show notes but um it's pretty cool it's sort of like uh like a uh, two-dimensional room that you can there's just universe that you walk around so it looks like uh, i guess zelda or like some sort of like nintendo 16-bit game that of a character that you have that you could run around and as you get closer to another person in this room, it'll use WebRTC to um, attenuate and or actually make the audio louder and the video fade in. And mm. as you walk away from them, it, it fades away. So it's so you could imagine you could have like a virtual virtual cubicle uh, thing where you could walk into somebody's cubicle and have a conversation with them and have a little like break room where people can get together and in a group and talk they have a a room where um like a an auditorium that people would sit in a chair in the auditorium and then they could hear what the speaker is saying and the speaker stands on the podium and that's how you know they're the speaker and then they talk and everybody that is seated can hear what the speaker is presenting on so it's really cool it was and it was originally written by like three like young uh i don't know college students or whatever like over a weekend uh, at the beginning of covid and they called it online town and then they uh turned it into a thing called gather so if you go to gather.town uh you could try it out and they have little rooms that you could try out and um i, I was talking to one of the red hat people and they actually did a they have a world builder that you could use and this red hat person actually made a uh um a replica of the red hat chicago office so yeah they could do their virtual happy hours where you know and that's a cool thing is it like like instead of like you know the video conferencing happy hour of you know 64 of your closest friends looking at each other on a you know a tiled screen it's more of a um, a group a grouping sort of thing where you could you could walk around the room you could listen in a little bit you don't like the conversation you could walk over and have a different conversation so it's a really cool experience hmm. and it's all 2d you just move your cursor keys around and um it's really neat it doesn't it's not very mobile friendly uh but uh for now but like you know you're sitting at your desk and you move around with the keyboard and everything it's it's very intuitive and anybody could really you know pick it up pretty quickly 
That's great. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and did you ever um, did you ever read the book Flatland? I don't think I did. No. Oh yeah. So this is um, this is written. It's a book that's in the public domain. Is written. I don't know in like more than a hundred years ago, but it was. Um, it's it's a book about these two dimensional uh, beings that live in this two dimensional world, and then the three dimensional object comes into this world, and like nobody believes that it's a three dimensional object. That there's no way that a three dimensional object can exist, and so it's oh, sort right of because like they can it, only perceive it in two dimensions. Right. It's like oh, this it's a you know what is this sphere thing? I only see a circle, and. Um, and, you know, so as, uh, you know, so it's like that sort of thing. And um, it's a really good book to really, like, if you want to get your head wrapped around what four dimensions would be like, it's a way to, like, see it through, you know, what we're comfortable with, but you remove a dimension, you're going the other way. So it's a really good book. That's great. That's great. Yeah. But, um, yeah. And and speaking of, of meetings and being trapped um, and, and uh, feeling like prison, um, there is um, uh, Global Tellink Corporation, um, the people that are famous for doing the uh, like the collect calls at, at uh, in prisons that are extremely expensive. Uh, and oh, yes. A lot the, of the, the felons. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. For the felons, felons for felons, I guess. But um, <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. So though they are getting into the virtual reality game of like, um, so they have a patent uh, for the prison communications industry that uh, essentially gives incarcerated the people a taste of freedom through virtual reality. So it allows an inmate to, get, for a brief uh, 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 point in time, to imagine themselves outside and away from the controlled environment in virtual reality and being able to do prison visits in that virtual environment with loved ones. I can't imagine that going well. Yeah. So, and that what they're, you know, right now it's like, you know, the, the way they are positioning it is like, hey, it's a great way that, um, you know, prisoners, there's no need to have meetings with loved ones in the real world where now you could do it all in virtual reality. Wouldn't that be great? And, um, and then they didn't say anything about charging per minute uh, for that experience, but you could also imagine too, like contraband and stuff getting smuggled in, you know, it's hard to do in a virtual environment of, you know, passing off cell phones or drugs or whatever. Um, so they, they position it as a, as a, a great thing. And, you know, sadistic. the other thing, yeah, go ahead. I mean, it seems sadistic, right? Like, uh, Oh, it gets worse. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. So, um, no, but the other thing, like you would think that it's like, Oh, they actually, they're trying to get a patent for that. It's like, that sounds just like any other collaborative virtual environment. Um, but this one is about that it also has a monitoring system to allow the authorities to keep tabs on all the communication that happens in the virtual environment as well. So I guess Naturally. that's what the, 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 you know, the little tweak uh, for the patent. Um, but there are some, um, uh, there's a 2020 paper in the Indiana Journal of Law and Social Equity. Um, they outlined a system where virtual reality could be used to inflict punishment um, in inmates uh, to a greater effect or proportion than the crime that uh, he or she committed. So it's a 
it's a great way to use virtual reality as as a punishment tool. Yikes. Yeah. So like, you know, virtual reality with, I don't know, you're afraid of spiders and they put spiders in it. I, I don't know what they do um, in terms of like creating that scary sort of environment. But um, there yeah, was a whole chapter in 1984 yeah. about this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With the rat in the, yeah. in the, yeah. The room 101. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Um, yes. And uh, so it's like, yeah, that's, that's really nice um, that, that people are thinking about the people in prison um, as a, as a, way to uh, uh good researcher yeah. yeah and i do like the fact that we're we're now sophisticated enough that there is no space between creating a virtual environment in which prisoners can visit with their loved ones and then we immediately turn it into a panopticon right mm -hmm. like, yeah you no know, like there was a time when we could invent something like that and go up to six months before somebody figured out a nefarious purpose for it but here ruthlessly efficient folks at Global Telling Corporation have figured out how to make those two the same thing right yeah. out of the gate. Good for them. Good for them. Yeah, that's excellent. Yep. And uh, yeah, and so, um, yeah, speaking of, of prison and meetings, um, there was a really interesting article that I saw, and it was in HBR, and it was entitled, Big Theatrical Meetings Are a Waste of Time. Um, and so you you don't have to even read the article. You could just go with the title and be like, oh, okay, that's that, a lot of research went into that. So, um, <laughs> so the thing here, how many times have you been in? It's like, oh, we're having the big meeting, right? For yeah. you know whatever muckety muck, right? So everybody's oh, printing out slides and color just for that person, and you know everything you're doing the dry run and and putting everything together. And um, what they said is that, um, you know, they call it a uh, business review theater mm -hmm. um, where it's like, they are saying that, especially now, this is a really not a good thing to do where, you know, where people say that, yeah, this meeting could have been an email, you know, it's, it's, they sort of go down that theme where they say that, why don't you provide all of the slides or whatever you want to come up with as read ahead and people, you know, just sort of similar to the the Bezos six pager letter, you know, that we talked about, mm -hmm. that um, you provide all this stuff as a read ahead instead of it being a theatrical. You know, you're presenting on things that, uh, you know, your strengths and all the the attaboys that you did and everything. Let whoever let the audience read it, and then um, but have the agenda of the meeting be based more on a conversation on particular points of the report that you put together. So what do you what do you think of that type of meeting? Yes, I think uh, I see a lot of wisdom in this. Because um, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I've certainly been in these theatrical meetings, right? Um, mm -hmm. In fact, I may have even run one or two of these meetings, right? Where mm -hmm. uh, the is it well, the the, the we use the term uh, a readout. Is this a readout? And that's kind of what we're mm -hmm. indicating, right? Or it's just a kind of a, a rote recitation of some heavily, heavily rehearsed status reports or, or financial results or something like that, right? Yep. And so if they're suggesting to get away from that, create a little bit more space for actual conversation, I think uh, the, the trick with all these things, right, is that... Um, in order to do this properly, the person who's leading the meeting needs to do a lot more homework 
Yes. Well, in the audience too, right? The right. the like how many times do you have the meeting for that busy executive where it's like they didn't read anything and they just yeah. roll in and they want to make some decisions and roll into the next meeting, but yep. they didn't have time to do any pre-read. So it's to me it's that and that's hard at the executive level, right? When you're over subscribed mm -hmm. and over scheduled as it is to do that pre-read for everything. So um yeah. It's like you, I think there has to be that accountability. Otherwise, it will turn into that theatrics of like, okay, you didn't have time to read it. So I'm going to read every bullet out to you in the slide deck now. Yep. That's tricky. Yeah. And well, and also, know, there's also yeah. these authors, uh, I mean, they also talk about the, the, the very strong impulse that everyone with empathy has to avoid embarrassing someone else. Mm -hmm. And so kind of one of the, one of the themes of this, right. Is um, how do you create a, a, what call it a review meeting or call it a, a status report or call it a planning meeting even. Um, but how to do that in a way that makes people feel safe enough where they can be candid and provide genuine information as opposed to kind of heavily processed information or some kind of like mealy mouth jargon that, uh, presents as status, but does not actually reveal any crucial information. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's, that's the other part too, of like the organiz organizer of the meeting needs to make sure that I guess the right people are there instead of like just a cast of thousands that are there to spectate. And yep. so you could have more candid meetings that aren't, that don't feel as embarrassing. Um, mm -hmm because you don't have all the have to do the theatrics and you're not performing for an audience. Right. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. But it's a great article. I, I, I highly recommend it. And I, I wish we did, you know, people did more things like that as opposed to like all the theatrics of, you know, it's just, I'd rather just read ahead and um, reflect on it and come with, okay, Here's all the detail, you know, and maybe here here are the questions that we need to discuss, and then here are here is the, you know, here's where you know they they also talk in the article about talking more about the future instead of looking back at the past, where mm -hmm. you know the slides can provide. It's like okay, here's where we are to date, and here's the status from the past, but the meeting is going to talk about you know where we want to go in the future because you can't change the past anyhow. There you have it. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad we saw that. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm looking forward to every meeting being that way. Um, <laughs> yeah, I wish. But yeah, so if people wanted to pick up a, a polytron that reduces an entire mouse to a soup like homogenate in 30 seconds, um, or they need to get some monster energy pickles, uh, where do they need to go? They should go to uh, dgshow.org. That's D as in Dave, G as in Gunner, show.org. Nice. All right. And, and we're on Twitter too, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, and uh, go go, uh, go follow us on Twitter at uh, dgshow.org. That's uh, dgshow, D-O-T-O-R-G. Excellent. All right. Well, thanks, Gunner. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>